Are you hesitating to take the next step in your e-commerce journey? Founder Plus has you covered with proven frameworks tailored to your business needs for fast results, a supportive community of over 30,000 like-minded entrepreneurs and weekly live mentorship sessions. Founder Plus is your key to success. Try Founder Plus today for just $1 for seven days and start building your dream business with confidence. You can visit founder.com forward slash start dollar trial or click the link in the description to claim your trial. This is episode number 97 with Nathan Latka of the Founder Podcast. What you need is thirst. You need to be a thirsty human. Who is intent on learning. It's a really fascinating, fascinating exploration of human potential. Now. Now. now, the Founder Podcast. Even the greatest entrepreneurs had help. If you want to learn from the most successful founders on the planet, you are in the right place. Branson, Mark Cuban, Tony Robbins, Tim Ferriss, Ariana Huffington, Ghost, Steve Case, Gary V, Sophia Amoroso, Robert Corcoran, Damon John. Learn from the greatest minds in business today with interviews hosted by Nathan Chan. This is not your average entrepreneur podcast. The Founder Podcast. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Before we start today's episode, I just want to let you know that our goal at Founder is to help entrepreneurs succeed however we can by giving away high quality content in the form of interviews, blog posts, podcasts, YouTube videos, you name it. We put out so much content to help you. And another interesting project that we're working on right now is partnering with world-class founders like Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills like negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free trainings with founders like this, which is 100% free, just go to founder.com forward slash free. Okay, so now let's talk about today's episode. Hey guys, my name is Nathan Chan, host of the Founder Podcast, coming to you from Melbourne, Australia, live, rep in my hometown. And today's guest is Nathan Latka, someone that has the same name as me. And this guy is a serious hustler. I connected with Nathan about a year ago where he asked me to come on to his podcast and I was for not familiar uh, with what he'd been up to, but he built this really successful SaaS company called Hayo and he ended up selling it uh, at ridiculous multiples. And uh, we we get to learn the the backstory of, of how he created that company. Um, a lot of the rookie amateur kind of mistakes that some people can make and how you can avoid them when you're starting out and also just more than anything what it really takes to just hustle and uh, Nathan is an absolute hustler this is his first company I have so much respect uh, for what Nathan's done in such a short period of time and uh, what's really funny is is Nathan always uh, in his own podcast he always talks um about you know what companies are earning and he really presses the founder to find out and uh, he's very very good at it so I kind of flipped the switch on him which is really fun and uh, I actually found out well you guys actually find out you can pretty much guess you know once he once he talks and if you listen to every um, part of this episode how much he actually ended up selling Hayo for so what's really interesting is we get to hear the journey from start 
to exit and then what is next. And now also how Nathan's looking at identifying uh, his next startup opportunities and uh, what he's going to create. Fascinating interview. Had a lot of fun with this one. Uh, Nathan was very generous with how much gold he gave away. So I think you guys are going to really, really enjoy this one. Uh, So that's it from me. Now let's jump in. All right. Well, look, uh, the first question I ask everyone that uh, comes on is, uh, how'd you get your job? Yeah. So look, I, for, job is such a hard word for me. Like I, I feel, I'm, I feel vomit just come up my throat when I even think about job. But the fact, the fact of the matter is, you know, my first quote unquote job was 40 hour weeks at Target, which, you know, I learned how to sell. I learned, they wanted us to upsell Nathan, these little cards at checkout where they, you could become a Target, you know, member. And I sold so many of those things, but I got bored so fast. So I knew I would never have a job again. And that's when fast forward to 2011, I was studying architecture at Virginia Tech here in the States, dropped out and launched my software business, which we went on to raise two and a half million dollars of venture capital. And I just recently sold that when I turned 26 years old here in February of 2016. Gotcha. And, you know, how, how did that software business come about? Hey, like, tell me, talk me through that. So you, she worked on it for five years. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, it was five years, uh, dude. And there's nothing sexy about this story. I know people like to say, well, I was broken on the streets and I had nothing. And then boom, something magical happened. And now I'm successful. But fact of the matter was, I was studying architecture at tech. I overheard fifth years, Nathan, who were, I mean, you remember 08 and 09, right? Even down there in Australia, huge economic crisis, right? Yeah. And so nobody was building, which meant nobody was hiring architects. So there was no way I was going to put myself through five years of school and not have a guaranteed job at the end. And that's when I said, I got really insecure that day. I went home. I was wearing my ex-girlfriend's Christmas boxers she bought me in my dorm room, you know, this 10 foot by 12 foot white cinder block dorm room. And I started picking up the phone and just cold calling people that had Facebook fan pages, selling $700 custom Facebook fan pages. And that was the start. Yeah. Wow. And, and why fan pages? Yeah, good question. To be quite honest with you, Facebook was something that I knew and I was familiar with just because as a college student, I was using it a lot. Right. So my whole thing was I was very, very lazy. In fact, I still am. You know, I think the most successful people, by the way, are the laziest. You know why? They, they know how to maximize their time because they're so lazy. Busy Leverage. people keep their. Yeah. Busy people keep their, their calendars full. They brag about, you know, their 7000 meetings. I think the best calendar, the calendars of billionaires, you know what they look like? They're blank. There's nothing on them. They're blank. <laughs> why is that, Nathan? <laughs> they're blank. So, so anyways, yeah, launched the business and, you know, quickly pivoted it to, you know, after I sold about 70 grand from my dorm room, finally taught myself. So I sold a hundred pages at 700 bucks a pop all in PayPal, no idea how to build these things. So I taught myself to code by watching YouTube videos and I taught myself FB ML, Facebook markup language. Nathan, you remember that? No, not familiar, man. All right. Yeah. It was Facebook markup language. And uh, quickly turned it into a monthly recurring business where people could pay me 30 to 300 bucks a month to use the software, which they could use to drag and drop together their own Facebook fan pages. So we grew that to almost 40 grand per month in revenue. Nathan, this was like, I'm like pre-puberty, okay? I'm like 12, right, when I'm doing this. I'm like 12 years old, okay? So it, it started growing, and uh, we raised a round of angel financing. Do you think your audience, Nathan, is familiar with angel financing, or should I go into detail there? No, they wouldn't know that. 
Okay, great. Yeah, so we raised five hundred fifty thousand dollars on a convertible note and an eight percent interest rate, um, a twenty five percent discount, and uh, a five point five million dollar uh, cap on that note from some of the world's. I mean, Nathan, they're really the most uh, the world's most intelligent angel investors. You know, folks like David Cohen who created TechStars. I mean, he is the guy that created TechStars. Invested along with many other smart folks. So that takes us up through about 2011 when we did that angel, or 2012 when we did that angel round. Gotcha. And when you said we, you started from the dorm room, you have co-founders, team. Talk us through that, man. I screwed this up so bad, like you wouldn't believe. People are going to be listening going, what was Nathan thinking? Here's what I did. I had 70 grand in pre-sales, taught myself to code, hated coding. I said, I need to find technical co-founders very fast. How do I do this? I created the Entrepreneurial Club at Virginia Tech specifically to attract engineers without them knowing that I wanted to hire them because I wanted to keep leverage. And at one of the first meetings that semester, I said, okay, I have a business of 100%. It already has 70 grand in sales. Here's my PayPal account. I basically said, Nathan, the first two engineers to raise your hand, get 40% of the business. Right? Oh, wow. Who, who, who wants it, right? And two guys raised their hand and I said, okay, you guys figure out you want to spurt the 40, but boom. We start tomorrow. We sign the founders' agreements and let's go. <laughs> that was it. That's crazy. Where'd you get that advice from, man? Uh, well, it was the stupidest <laughs> thing I've ever done, so I wouldn't recommend it. But it worked, you know. So <laughs> but, those you know, to need... this day were your co-founders. They were. Now they only lasted about a year at the company. But a big mistake I made was when we I had them sign founder agreements. Neither of them signed any on a vesting schedule. So in other words, when they left the company a year in, they took 40% of the business with them. So that's what you would call un, what I call that is unallocated working cap table, right? Which means how much equity is out of the business from people that are not actively working on it. That was a huge mistake I made. Wow. So when you exited, they got paid too. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's, it was, can you imagine building a business? So they left. Can I hustled for four more years before the exit? Every time I got a big contract, I'm going, I hate the fact that two founders that are doing nothing for the business are getting payback because I'm going the valuation of the business. It was an emotional war, but look, it's business. It's tough. It was a lesson. And frankly, I bought back some of the equity. So uh, you bought some back. How much? Yeah. Uh, a good chunk. We'll call it over 15%. Yeah. Okay. That's good then. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, so Tell me what happened. Like, why? Why did these? You know, you made the a mistake there. What? What happened? This and this was, you you brought on these co-founders before you raised, right? You did your angel. That's correct. Yep, that's correct. The the answer is, I mean, I mean, you know this, Nathan. The best profile of someone to start a business with is somebody that has no spouse, no kids, no car, no debt. They can live anywhere. No house payments. No responsibilities except the business. Right. The fact of the matter was one co-founder, you know, was just getting married, right, you know, and wanted to move. The other one was thinking about moving already and was looking to settle down with his girlfriend. You know, they wanted to buy a house and they were going to have all these other responsibilities. And then one of them was going to think about having a kid. Frankly, they just they weren't in a mode where they could go in and hustle and do 16 and you know 17 hour days, to be quite frank. Yeah. Wow. So you just ended up firing them? Well, we, that was the other problem uh, because of the founders agreements, we had no way to fire them, right? So there was literally a year that had gone by where one of these folks literally would sit in team meetings. We'd get group consensus after brainstorming for a, you know, a new product feature you know, after an hour. And I'd say, anyone have any last concerns? And he would go, yeah, 
I don't agree. And we'd all go, Brian, or oops, I shouldn't say the name, but why didn't you agree? And you know, you'd say, see, Nathan, I disagree because I don't want to see you win. Oh right? my God, man. I mean, it was that, it was that toxic for almost a year, but I just pushed through hell and high water to make it happen. And we had an, I had an amazing, amazing team around me after that. And look, those guys, by the way, very smart, very successful. We just didn't work, right? We just didn't work. Yeah. Wow. So, um, after, so you raised, you still had those guys in your team, unfortunately, did you end up after they left, get new co-founders, technical co-founders or yeah, not so we, really? Not new co-founders, right? Cause that's, that's hard two years into the business for someone to truly feel like a co-founder, but I did recruit my chief operating officer who I looked at as a co-founder from New York, got him to move his, him, his wife and his two kids, which was great. You know, he's 35 down from New York. And here's why I loved him. I have a huge ego. It's so good. It's so powerful. I can use my <laughs> ego in such good ways. It's also dangerous, right, Nathan? It's like super dangerous if it goes unchecked. So this guy was a Mormon pastor. Okay. Can you imagine the conversation? Wow. Me with my big ego and a Mormon pastor would have. Can you imagine that? Yeah. Crazy, man. I mean, it was fun. It was great. We balanced each other. So he kind of became like my co-founder. Gotcha. And how'd you meet him? How'd you convince him to move across? So he was actually introduced to me by one of our angel investors who said, Nathan, I think his personality will mesh with you. He's looking to move to a startup. You know, you should meet with him. I had a few Skype conversations with him. I paid for him to come down and visit one time. And then boom, we moved forward, gave him a little bit of equity. He joined the business and he was with us. Actually, he's with us. He's now with the company that actually acquired us called Votigo, V-O-T-I-G-O, our number one competitor. Gotcha. So you got, you were acquired by a number one competitor. Yeah. I mean, and this was, I mean, we, we, we skipped about three years in there, but you know, we raised 550 grand, a convertible note. And then we raised $2 million from a Forbes billionaire. You know, I used something that I very rarely talk about because it's like magic. It's like my genie in a bottle. It's like, actually, you know what I call it, Nathan? I call it my freedom button. This thing, what it allows me to do is when I send an email to someone, like when I'm pitching investors, it'll allow me to know when they open the email, how long they spent in the email. And I can also say when I send the email, I can say, hey, email inbox, remind me in 10 days if no one replies to this email, bring it back to the top of my inbox. That way I don't have to think about it. So I use this little tool that I built for myself. And uh, that was a tool that I used to help close the $2 million from a Forbes billionaire. I knew when he opened it, I knew he was interested. So we in total raised $2.5 million in, in capital, You know, drove over $5 million in revenue, 25 full-time employees, 10,000 monthly paying customers before we sold the Votigo. Gotcha. And I'm curious, uh, are you able to say who this billionaire was or that's... Yeah. yeah. RJ, RJ Kirk. Anybody can Google him. RJ Kirk. He is actually the creator of Adderall, the, the drug. Ah. He's from... Yeah, he's in biotech. So, you know, I'm, I, I don't know what it is today, but he's generally on the Forbes list, number 137 with a net worth somewhere between three and $5 billion. Gotcha. And how did you identify him as a potential investor that would be a good fit for you if he's in biotech? Yeah, location. He uh, he grew up right, you know, in Virginia, close to where we were we were based. So he had some emotional buy-in. Plus, he had a family office there that was looking to make local investments. So that's that's how you know that's how we we kind of fell into that. Gotcha. So let's go back. You raised, uh, you know, you raised two and a half million, and uh, you you said you pivoted too. Yeah. Well, I mean, this was part of the intriguing story. The reason we raised two million dollars was because. 
we were going to start investing in something called social commerce while our core business, the fan page builder, continued to go. And so ultimately what happened here is I sent an email out, you know, we're trying to figure out what do we do with our core business, right? If, if that's not what we raise this capital for. So I sent an email out to about 15 potential buyers of that business in our space. And the email was a Gmail. And I put all these business development guys in the BCC field. Okay. And your audience, by the way, they're going to love this. They're going to listen to it. And they're going to go, I'm going to copy this so fast because it works so well. What we did is I, the email headline or subject line said, heyo.com shutting down. Uh, here are the next steps, dot, dot, dot. When you open the email, it looked like a mass email to our customer base that we were shutting down, right? So my <laughs> my plan, why are you laughing? Because I, I love your strategies, man. I've always been impressed with your hustle. Even though before we connected, I was always like, so someone on my team, this Nathan Latko guy, he's good. I, I like how he operates. So I'm laughing because you make me laugh, bro. I've got awesome. respect for your hustle, man. That's awesome, dude. Well, I mean, look, the fact of the matter is these business development guys, they don't do a deal unless they sense blood in the water, right? And what I mean by that is most people, Nathan, when people are thinking about selling their company, what's the, you know, the general advice people give, right? When you're thinking about selling your company, they say you can't sell your company, that you lose leverage if you are asking to be bought. You have to have someone approach you, right? Yeah, of course. So you, you've heard that many times. I'm yeah. sure some of your guests have shared that. So I said, okay, well, what if I could like just fake some blood in the water? So they sensed a deal. And if I could attract, if I could attach their ego to that kind of blood that I put in the water, then I would win. I'd bid them up. So I sent this email out to 20 of them. Seven of them wrote back, very, very interested. And I said, I'm making a decision whether to sell it on Friday at 5 p.m. If you're interested, send me an LOI. So of those seven, okay, about five of them sent me an actual letter of intent. That's the first step of the acquisition process. And they were all lowball offers, right? because they thought they were getting a deal. I said, we're shutting it down. They're going, wait, Nathan, before you you know shut it down, can we buy it? I'm going, eh, I don't really want to sell it. I don't want to take the time to do it. But if you're interested, give me an offer. And so we got seven and mm. I immediately wrote back Nathan and I said, I don't, there's not a better word for it, but I basically said, I'm going to screw with these people, right? I'm going to have some fun, right? Why not? I, I put my blood, sweat, <laughs> tears in this damn thing for five years. I got to maximize the value, right? So I wrote back and I said, before, and this is critical, people should write this down. Before I make a decision, is this your best offer? That's just, that's all I wrote back to the email is five words. Is this your best offer? Now put yourself in these BD guys shoes. They had already taken this deal because they give me an LOI. So they had to have gotten internal approval from their companies to do this, mm. which means that BD guy's ego is now attached to the deal. In other words, if he doesn't get us as a deal, he has to go back to their, his CEO and their team and say, hey, guys, I lost the deal, right? So they now want to win. They are playing the board game. I got them to sit down at the table and play the game, even with five lowball offers. So I wrote back. I said, is this your lowest? By Wednesday morning that same week, okay, three of, or sorry, four of them had doubled their offer. They literally just wrote back, doubled their LOI offer. Can you believe that? Five words, double the offer. Right? Yeah, wow. So let me get this straight. You just decided that you were ready to sell and you just put it at kind of out to tender almost unofficially. Yeah. So I wanted to see if there was going to be any, <clears throat> any if I could get a bidding war going, right? Mm. And we'd sell it if we could get a bidding war going because we raised the capital to focus on social commerce, something yep. totally different. Yep. Yeah. So, so that first round worked really well. And I'm like, you know, if it worked well once, I should do it again. So when these people doubled their offer, four of them doubled it and wrote back. I wrote back on that Wednesday and said, hey, you know, this, your offer is really not competitive. You know, are you sure 
or this is your best offer before I decide on Friday. And Nathan, what do you think happened? Doubled again. Not all of them. I'm not that good. Two of them. Two of them wrote back and doubled it. Mm. So by using the words, is this your best offer? I got people to go from, let's say they started offering 5 million for the business. They quadrupled. So they doubled to 10. They doubled again, 10 to 20. So I then decided to sign the LOI that Friday with a company called Vodigo. We went through a few, you know, a very short period of due diligence and they ended up buying the company. So, you know, that process of selling your business, folks, I just encourage you to think unconventionally. If you have an asset you're trying to sell, people always say you can't go beg people to buy. So think about, is there some kind of vulnerability you can throw in the water to potential buyers to latch them onto you and then bid them against each other? That's, I think, a great approach to think about. Yeah, that's gold. Um, So you were just kind of fishing. You weren't 100% you wanted to sell. You just wanted to see it was possible. And then you got your number and then now onto new and bigger, better things, right? Yeah, we got it. We got a good bidding war going. And by the way, Forbes just wrote about this. They hit me so hard, Nathan. They said, oh, this guy... You know, he, they, they say, oh, well, he, you know, he didn't do this the right way. This, you know, he didn't hire an investment banker. That's because Forbes is in bed with investment bankers, right? I mean, they like have sponsors who are like investment <laughs> bankers. So Forbes didn't like that I'm doing this in such a weird way, right? But it worked and it worked wonderfully. Yeah. Wow. Well done. So I'm curious, dude, where does this hustle come from? Because this is your, that was your first business, right? It, well, I was selling t-shirts to sorority girls before that, that on the front said, you'd tweet these. And on the back, it had their Twitter <laughs> handle. <laughs> That's but a, that yeah, wasn't yeah. scalable. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. So first series <laughs> business, um, like where, where does this hustle come from, man? Because I really like, uh, you, you're a savvy operator, dude. So, so where's this hustle come from? this is like a great opportunity for me to say something really good that makes me sound really good and smart. And the fact of the matter is I have nothing. I got nothing for you. I don't know what it is. You know, what I will tell you is I think one of the reasons I am so aggressive and different in some of the things that I try is I know that if everything fails and every, I lose everything, I know, you know, I've already put myself in a mind where I know where I can find shelter to stay out of the rain and I know the local sushi shop. I know where they put all their extra rice every night in the dump. You know, I know the dumpster so I can always have rice to eat. Like I will be okay. I will wake up. I will live. I will be fine. And once you truly believe you will be fine with nothing, it allows you to go and take on anything. And that's so key. Mm, so you're fearless. Yeah. You, you, I mean, I just know when I'm thinking about, wow, this is kind of an aggressive email to send. Should I send it? I'm going, yeah. Cause if everything backfires, I'll be fine. Yeah. Gotcha. So Talk us through uh, the growth stage of how you managed to scale up Hayo to, you said it was 5 million in, in is annual recurring revenue? Yeah. So we got up to about, again, 10,000 paying customers. The unit economics on those customers is they pay anywhere between 30 bucks a month and 300 bucks a month. That was yep. our ARPU. Yep. And our customer acquisition cost was typically about one third of lifetime value. Lifetime value those folks stayed for anywhere between 40 and 45 months paying that monthly fee. So we'd pay, you know, about one third of, you know, 40 months times, you know, 30 bucks at the minimum. Gotcha. And what were your number one sources of customer acquisition? Like how did you scale it? So about 30% of our new customers every month came from something very simple. When, when a free user published a campaign using Heyo, we'd put Powered by Heyo in the upper right and when their competitors were impressed with those campaigns, their competitors would click through and then sign up as well. 
So uh, we, you know, that is the whole scent. I got that idea yeah, from reading the Steve Jobs bio, right? Yeah, Hotmail scent with iPhone kind of concept. Yep. Um, and by the way, for folks listening, I mean that's the best kind of marketing. Do you do anything like that to drive up, you know, drive up readership of founders? No, but we 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 have a few viral kind of loop experiments that we're about to roll out for a few other things. Yeah, yeah, it's golden. Yeah, it's critical. If yeah. you can get the math to work right, I gotta tell you, man, it's golden. It's just brilliant. Uh, the number one way that wasn't that was webinars. We did, I mean, Nathan, you probably saw some of these. We did webinars like you wouldn't believe. I mean, like crazy. And we would, what we would do is we would invite our own list and then we would get three or four influencers to also invite their list. We'd give the three or four influencers, you know, five minutes to share a tactic or learning so that they get exposed to my audience. And then I would deliver content and then sell Hayo on the end, the $300 annual plan. So again, we sold, I mean, I think probably 90, about $4.5 million worth of our sales came directly through webinars. Yeah. Wow. So how long were you doing webinars for? Years, two, three years. So how many do you reckon you've done? Oh my gosh. Uh, I mean, two to 300. So you, you, how many webinars were you doing per week? Cause you said you'll invite your list and influencers. So does that, does that mean you were mailing your whole email database every time or? Yeah, so what I would do is that once a month, I would email our database about the four webinars. We did about, you know, one per week sometimes. Sometimes we do two or three per week. But we would email my list or our list once and list all the links, right, to all the yeah. webinars. And the influencers that would come on ours would email probably a dedicated email to their list about their one episode. Gotcha. And did you share the leads with the influencer? No, we didn't do anything like that. We didn't do any, like... You know, they get the Excel file or anything like that. I mean, we probably would have if, if they had asked. Most people didn't ask, to be quite honest with you. They they just knew that we had webinars and we were putting thousands of people on webinars. And they wanted that exposure. The hardest part of doing all of this was, I mean, Nathan, a lot of it, my process was every Monday I would sit down and from about 9 a.m. to call it 11 a.m., two, you know, two hours, I would go use this little tool that I created for myself where I would send cold emails to people that I thought had big lists because I'd go to their website and they'd say, join my list with over 35,000 people on it, right? I'd reach out to those people uh, with a cold pitch. And I use this, again, this little tool that I built. It's, you know, I'm actually considering letting other people use it because it really helped me build Heyo. But the tool is at, at nathanlatka.com forward slash the top inbox. And it has, by the way, like two users, right? I use it myself. I didn't want a lot of other people to know it. It doesn't have a logo, to be honest with you. But I used that tool to send out emails and I would get notifications when those emails got opened. I would get, I had a send later features on it. So if I was emailing you, Nathan, in Australia on a different time zone, I would make sure I sent the, e like I'd write it now, but I'd hit send later and I would make sure it goes in your inbox at about 6 a.m. in your morning. So that you would, you would hit, you would get it first, right? You would knock it out first. Gotcha. Um, and then I had, you know, I had other things built in there, like just alert, uh, reminders for myself. Hey, bring this email to the top of my inbox. If Nathan Chan doesn't open it within the next three days or doesn't click the link in the next three days or doesn't reply in the next three days. So that worked well. And, and having that system, or you can use a Google document, having that system to constantly follow up with folks is really key. Yeah, that's golden. See, what uh, you have is a combination of what I use between Rebump and Boomerang. Oh, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. yep. That's right. Yeah, I mean, dude, if you <laughs> – it's actually embarrassing. I haven't gone there in a while. NathanLatka.com forward slash the top inbox. I haven't gone there in a while, but you'll see 
yeah there's like no logo right i mean this looks like it looks like a total scam <laughs> if you go to it and the fact is i spent nathan i don't know i sure this but i spent about 4700 bucks to have this personally built for me to use <laughs> i mean just because there were some other ones that just didn't do what i wanted them to do and mm. uh and so i used this for free for so long and it just did so well for me gotcha so so you did webinars a lot. Um, can we draw on some of your experience from sales, like just sales in general, whether you're selling one-to-many, one-to-one, whether you're not selling on webinars, what's some key takeaways people can have? I think the biggest thing, look, I, if you showed me the audio transcript of any sales call and the salesperson was talking more than the other side, I can almost predict with 100% certainty they didn't get the sale, right? I think the key to a good sales thing is you should talk like for every minute you're talking, the person you're selling to should talk for 10 minutes. So if I was selling you, actually, Nathan, my first sales call, one of my first to Carrie Wilkerson, the barefoot executive, yeah. I called her cold. She picks up. I go, is this Carrie? She goes, yeah. I go, Carrie. So you, I said, you call yourself the barefoot executive on your Facebook page. Are you really an executive? She's thinking like, screw you. Like, who are you to come? Like, who are you? Right. <laughs> I knew two things would happen. She either hang up. Okay. Which she didn't. Or she would go and try and articulate why she's an executive. And so I would, you know, no one ever in the history of the world, I don't think Nathan has hung up on themselves while they're talking, right? Mm. So if you could get the other person talking, you have a hundred percent chance they're not going to hang up on you, right? <laughs> so talk less. I mean, that's really critical. Talk less. Gotcha. And how do you do that on webinars though? So, okay. Great question. I was giving an example of me doing one-to-one on a webinar, totally different story. A webinar, you have a few things that you have to battle with. The first, just because you have, you know, 300 people live doesn't mean a thing, right? You know, and go to webinars, they say, oh, 300 people live because people have minimized your screen. They've tuned out. They're distracted. You don't know if they're actually looking at your screen and actively listening. So you have to make sure you build little call to actions into your webinars to make sure people keep listening to your voice because maybe Nathan like this interview, for example, my voice is becoming the normal. So people might start tuning out. Now, thankfully, they probably tune back in when your voice comes in, right? Because they know it's a change in subject. Yeah. But you have to figure out to keep people actually actively listening to the webinar, you need to figure out how to break up your voice, either play a YouTube video, have a co-host or actually stop talking. Say, hey, look at my screen right now. What do you guys think about this button or this stat? And then just do this. Right. And everyone's like, oh, crap. Did I did I miss it? Are they off? Did my Internet cut out? And they tuned back in. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, That's killer. And you uh, you do a lot of polling and stuff. I, I've never been to one of your webinars, but I think someone told me you do a lot of polling. Is that right? Well, people are talking about me. This is not yeah. good. People are talking about my strategy. Yeah, I do the polling. And here's why I profile match. So the first few sides of my webinar is, hey, I'm Nathan. Here's everything about me. Now, if I, what's a natural thing to do in a conversation after I introduce myself, Nathan, what would you do? Talk about myself and introduce myself. Exactly. So yeah. why doesn't everyone, no one ever does that on a webinar. Why not? You should. So we launch a poll that says, hey, and I say, hey, you guys just learned everything about me, but I have no idea who you are. Would you mind just telling me a little bit about yourself? Pick one of the poll options. Who are you? And it will say like entrepreneur, less than 100K in revenue. You know, um, I'm stuck in corporate, right? Safe salary, right? You know, author, speaker, influencer, whatever. And I'll then get a real quick, you know, 60% are entrepreneurs that make less than 100 grand. So guess what? Fast forward 47 minutes to the sales pitch. I'm going to say, if you're listening right now and you're wondering if this is right for you and you're an entrepreneur that's making less than 100 grand per month, this is the perfect fit for you, right? 
because I know the majority of the listeners are that exact profile. They told me at the beginning of the webinar. Gotcha. So uh, you see what I mean? I use the polling results in real time to drive sales up. You know, we get about 30% of people that were live on those webinars would buy a minute 47. At minute 47? Yeah, that's what you typically about minute 45 to 47 is when we really got into our sales pitch. Oh, 45 to 47. Gotcha. 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 Yep. Okay. I see. So you're polling all the way throughout or? Yep. I'll ask question. You know, the first question I always ask is, uh, who are you? General question. You know, the next one I'll ask is something along the lines of uh, how much revenue are you making? Right. So they'll get, they'll say, you know, less than a grand or less than a hundred grand, hundred grand to 500 grand or 500 to a million or a million plus. Anyone that in that poll said a million plus, I'm reaching out to and trying to partner with after the webinar, <laughs> right? I'm going, what are they doing right? Let's partner. And then um, you just look through the analytics and go to webinar to see who they were. Exactly. And Nathan, here's a little tactic. I'll tell you, people always go, Nathan, how do you get partners for webinars? You want to know what I did? I don't think I've ever shared this, by the way. I'm going to give it to you. Are you ready? Yeah, boom. Let's do it. I would always ask, how big is your email list? Right. So anyone that answered 30 grand or more, you know what I'm doing? I'm calling them after the webinar going, Hey, you want to partner on the next webinar? Yeah. Right? Gotcha. So, so I would use one webinar to just get more webinar. And it just, it was a snowball. Gotcha. And were you managing all this yourself or like, um, I'm curious around your team. How, how'd you structure this? Were you always doing the webinars or you had people in your team doing the webinars? My ego was way too big to not have me doing them live. Look, and maybe I'm being a little like humble or whatever here, but I mean, first off, I have a big ego, but honestly, I'm really good. I mean, I think I'm probably top 1% in the world at live presenting and getting people, convincing them live to do what I want. We tried to have other people do it and they just, they wouldn't get anywhere near the numbers that I would get. So I kept doing the live presentation, but everything else, the slide deck design, the co-marketing, the follow-up, the analytics, the live chat during the webinar, I had team members handle all of that. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Awesome. And um, let's just switch gears. You know, uh, we've really we've really tackled, I think, that higher piece. But what's next for you, man? Because I, I can see you building something else for sure, probably a SaaS product. I think last time we spoke, you said you wanted to do something 100 times bigger. So, so tell me, like, uh, since we last spoke, have you worked out what that thing is next? How do you work that out? Are you taking a big break? What's it feel like to sell your company? Well, I'm 26, right? You know, my goal is to take a company public by the time I turn 30, okay, on the U.S. stock exchange. I will do it, Nathan. Mark my words. You have it here recorded. I will do it, right? And so what I'm doing right now is I'm very much in a hunting mode. I'm looking for the industry I want to go after. And the way I'm doing that is I started having just calls with some of the world's top CEOs. I always got permission. I recorded those calls, and I would just ask them on these phone calls, what was your revenue last year? How much money did you make? Uh, what are your margins? What's your equity with your co-founders? What was your valuation, right? How are you getting new paying customers? Hard, tough questions. And I quickly realized other people wanted those chats. So I turned that into a podcast. Have you listened to the podcast? Of course, man. You interviewed me two times, bro. Well, I don't know. That doesn't mean you've listened to it. You know, a lot of people get on shows. They haven't listened to a damn episode, right? I mean, it's like drives me crazy. Yeah, no, uh, I've listened to a few. I, I had to because I, I remember you you uh, messaged me like privately I think through Facebook or uh -huh. like for our or through our it was really weird through our founder Facebook page you messaged and I was just looking at it just by chance and you said oh hey dude you know want to come on my podcast and I just usually say yes to a podcast because I think it's a really good source of free advertising and um, yeah then I had but... to actually, yeah I had to actually listen to your podcast I was like you yeah, know nah, this guy's legit <laughs> All right dumb boom 
but I'd never heard of you, didn't know anything about Hayo, didn't know anything. Like, yeah, and I was like, yeah, done. What, what, and so what do you think? What do you think about the, how would you describe the podcast to your audience? I think you're very pushy on finding <laughs> out how much they make, and you're very good at it. And it's interesting. It's really, really interesting. Yeah, Nathan, I don't say this often. I think I'm probably the world's most sued podcaster. <laughs> sued like people like you know writing me saying take this episode down or i'm coming after you and you know what i do i say you know what i'm leaving not only am i leaving it up i will destroy you in court i win every everyone tries to sue me. i win every time you know so what i do i've been published people the episode. Try to sue you oh my god yes because what happens is they come on the show live right and when they schedule they sign a thing that says i have the right to do whatever i want with the audio content just like i did now that i'm here on your podcast yeah but when i get them live I hit them with so many questions. They don't even realize all the information they're giving me. And like they share it with their board and their board goes, are you kidding? How do, you told them your valuation. You told them our 2015 revenue. You told them our margins. Are you kidding? You told us their equity splits. You got to get this episode down. Right. And at that point, it's all over. It has to go out. And, you know, Nathan, I do this like half jokingly, but not really. I mean, to be honest with you, there are too many fakers online. So I get them on my show. It's called The Top Entrepreneurs. It's an orange logo on iTunes. You can find it, The Top Entrepreneurs. 15 minutes every day. And I just, you know, Nathan, half these people I've never met, right? And the first question on the episode is, how much money did you make last year and how'd you do it? And they're like, who the hell is this guy? What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah that's, that's what it felt like for me, man. It was really, uh, yeah, it was. And we know yeah. each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah no. But no, you're very good at that, dude. You're very, very good. So I yeah. have to ask you, man. How much you sell your company for? Oh, good, good, good question. Yeah, by the way, that always happens. I go, yeah, you have to be transparent. <laughs> I hit my head so hard and, and, the, and the host interviewed me. He goes, oh, this is a perfect time. I can get Nathan. I can catch him. Ask him the sale price. So you're smart, Nathan. Uh, so here's what I'll tell you. I want to give you as much information as possible, but I did sign something called an NDA, uh, which basically means for a certain period after the deal, I can't say the exit price. Here's what I can tell you, though, which will still be very, very educational. And if you're smart, you can do the math and figure it out. But we sold, the way a software as a service company is valued is typically based off a, a multiple of top line revenue. So the multiple we got, so in other words, if we were making a million dollars per month, you'd annualize it, so $12 million, and then multiply that by a multiple, right? So 10x, 5x, 1x, 11x, the so multiple we got- or, So revenue or profit? Revenue, top yep. line revenue. Yep. Yeah. Top line revenue, which is great, by the way. No other, very other few, very few other businesses get that, you know, kind of valuation. Usually it's on EBITDA, right? Yeah, or cash flow. That's right. So we got 11x annualized wow. top line revenue. That was our multiple. Wow. Man, that's killer. It, I'm impressed, it, dude. It, it was great. It was a very good bidding process. It was an amazing offer. I, look, I make really great deals. I make good deals. Yeah. You're, you're a sales biz dev guy, always getting the best deal. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So, so you said you, you started the podcast. I think you started the podcast though before you sold the company, right? I did. I have yeah. to also just make a note too. Vodago got a great deal, right? The, yeah. the company that bought it and they're growing it now, they're killing, I mean, so many other people because they now have an enterprise product plus our product and they're a very smart company and they made a very, very good offer and it made a lot of sense for them and our customers are very happy. So they got a great deal there. Yeah. Well, that's awesome, man. Well, congratulations on all your success. So I'm really curious. You said that, you know, we we're talking about what's up, what's up next and work towards wrapping up, but you said that, uh, you know, you had these conversations and then you turned into a podcast, um, and you're trying to work out where the next place is. You've been doing the podcast for a while now. Yeah. Um, you know, where are you thinking? What's interesting to you? Definitely another SaaS product. Curious. So I, enterprise, I'm enterprise SaaS yeah. probably. Yeah. Well, 
Probably not. I'm interested. Look, entrepreneurship, in my opinion, is like the Fibonacci sequence. Look at a guy like Elon Musk, right? Nobody realized that his first sale, his first company sold was a little agency for a million bucks, right? And then he launched launched a little venture capital firm, and that firm ended up buying PayPal. And Elon became involved in the management there. And then PayPal obviously sold and da 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 da. You know, then he invested in Tesla in in a Series A round. You know, it wasn't his company. No, and I then didn't he invested know that. again. Yeah, it wasn't his company. Somebody else, a gentleman, created Tesla. He invested in the Series A in a seed round, and then that company got in trouble. So he invested with my friend Tim Draper, who I had on on, on my show on episode one twenty nine, and they invested together in the Series B, um, contingent upon Elon taking over. Right, that's wow. now why Elon is CEO of Tesla. My gotcha. point is, is everyone like just celebritizes or whatever where Elon is now without realizing it's like a Fibonacci sequence, you know, one, one, you know, three, five, eight, 12, it compounds itself. So I am now looking, I feel like I've got my ones out. I need to find like a three or five or an eight. So I am hunting in the world, Nathan, of where atoms, like physical objects and bits or software, computer bits collide. Right. So that's already happened in cars, right, with Uber, a physical asset plus an app and software. Yes. So one of the areas, this is gonna blow your audience away. No one's gonna expect this, but think about do you have storage facilities like storage, like self-storage in Australia? Yeah, of course. This is yeah, it's okay. massive. It's that's okay. that's a massive business model. That's a good business model. So it's very good. Now let me just run you down this road. I'm doing some live testing here. So you, you're renting from me. So you're moving and you're putting your bed and your cabinet and some extra furniture in my storage unit. You're paying me a hundred bucks per month, right? Something yeah. like that. Yeah. Well, what happens to that, those physical assets, those atoms, while you don't need them, while they're in storage, what happens to them? They just sit there. They sit there. Why would you not try and rent those out to other people and make money from that unleveraged physical asset, right? It doesn't make sense. Why would you yeah, not do that? It doesn't that? make sense. Yeah. Right. Well, the reason is because there's never been operational efficiency built around, well, how would you rent out other people's stuff in your storage unit? That's something I might get into. I might acquire a bunch of storage units, build an app or software where you could just go pay to lease somebody else's stuff they have in my storage facility, right? For a very discounted price. That way I'm making money from the person who I'm storing and on renting out those physical assets. That's what I mean by using bits and atoms, making them collide and making the world more efficient. Gotcha. That's a fascinating idea. I really like that. I'm curious though, because there's many people trying to disrupt this self-storage model. Like you would have done ridiculous amounts of research. There's no one currently doing anything like this or a variant or a hybrid version of it. Like there must be all these kind of variants of this idea, right? Well, that's actually one of the reasons I'm worried. Nobody is renting out other people's stored items. Nobody's doing it, which to me is a big negative. It means something's wrong there, right? Someone would be doing this if it was a good idea. My my way, I've learned this very early on. It's very unconventional. It's something I believe that very few other people believe. You know, it's very sexy to say you start a new idea and, oh, my God, you invented something. But you know what? It's way smarter and you're going to get way richer, way faster if you look at something and go, I love that. And I want to add this one other thing. What you do is you copy the hell out of the thing that already exists. You copy it like you wouldn't believe. You copy it so fast, those people are not going to know what happened to them. And then you add on your own unique twist. So I'm a big fan of copying what exists and adding your twist. So I would copy Nathan what the world's most successful storage companies are doing. And my twist would be building software that allowed me to efficiently rent out 
the things that people are putting in those storage units in the first place. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. Yeah, that's why I asked if there's a hybrid version or, or anything like that. Because, yeah, you're right. I agree for you 100%. Yep. Nothing that I know of, which is a red flag to me. So I'm still researching. Yeah, okay. Gotcha. I mean, there's a lot of things, by the way. Like, I mean, people, a lot of people are going, Nathan, you need to write a book. I've had publishers throw, like, a lot of money going, write a book. You need to write a book. But I hate writing. So how am I going to write a book? I hate writing. I like talking, <laughs> but I hate writing. So that would be challenging. But Nathan, if I did write it, I'd go all out. I'd make it sell millions of copies. I'd want it to be at the top, right? No pun yeah, intended, but New I would York take it Times, to the top. <laughs> you got to get that. That's what everyone's after these days, the New York Times. And I would do it. I would do it the real way, though. I would not pay my way there. I would hustle and I would win and I would do it the real way. Um, but I might do that. You know, I, you know, I'm I'm starting to think, you know, 2036, I want to run for president and I want to win and I'm going to win big. So I'm trying to think about how should I get involved in politics? <laughs> wow. Um, there's a hedge fund I'm thinking about. You know, I want to build the world's largest hedge fund, which is very, very doable with some different things I'm thinking about, which might involve taking public companies private that have less than a $10 million market cap because you can actually pull operational efficiency out of that business. In other words, they spend about a million dollars per year just on admin to file paperwork required for public companies. So if you buy it, wow. take it private and then kill out that admin expense, That's you're crazy. basically generating profit. Yeah. So it's a hedge fund play I might do. There's a look, I'm doing a lot of stuff. I'm very excited, but I'm just being patient right now to figure out what I want to attack next. Mm, um last question how do you work out what the right move is like how do you, you just going to try it or because it sounds like you're very strategic like calculated with this stuff man well don't give me too much credit okay i kind of just go with my gut and my gut's usually right i'm you know some people call me smart genius they give me too much credit probably but look i one of the things that i love doing is investing in things that i want right so you know if i wanted you know, X, I'd figure out if it's, you know, commercially viable for me to build that thing and I'd go for it. So like one of the things that I really want right now, Nathan, I hate paying rent. I hate signing a 12 or 18 month lease. It makes me feel trapped. So I wonder if I could maybe buy up a few hostile chains around the world and allow people to pay a thousand dollar per month membership. And they can then stay at any hostel in the world, travel whenever and wherever they want, right? That model to me is something that I would want. So can I build that? And so that, that, you know, things that I want, those are helping guide my kind of decision and peripheral vision on what I should tackle. Gotcha. Awesome. All right, dude. Well, look, uh, we've got to wrap there because um, I'm, I'm super mindful of your time. But, uh, man, where's the, where's the best place people can find you if they want to know more? Well, I will tell you, I give out my phone number and I give out a lot of revenue numbers, my tax, you know, tax income, all that kind of stuff on my show. In fact, if they want to listen to the actual recordings of me selling, hey, yo, I recorded the whole thing, the negotiations with the buyers on the phone and everything on my podcast. It has an orange logo. I have like a Jonas Brother headshot thing. It's, you know, interesting looking, but it's called the top on. <laughs> It's called The Top Entrepreneurs on iTunes, or they can find those specific episodes I just referenced at NathanLatka.com forward slash sold. Or lastly, Nathan, if they want to text me directly and, and, and to thank them, I will give them my 2012 tax return so they can actually see how I was making money back then. Um, they can text Nathan to 33444. Yeah, boom. Love it. Awesome, man. Man, I love it. So, dude, <laughs> thank you so much for your time, my man. We'll wrap there. Well, you have a, Nathan, you have an amazing audience. I'm very thankful you took the time to have me on. Uh, you know, there's a lot of bad hosts out there. You're unbelievable. You made me feel a little uncomfortable, which is great. So thanks for having me on. Oh, absolute pleasure, my man. Thank you for doing what you do. <laughs> you bet. Hey, guys, I hope you enjoyed this interview. 
As you might already know, our mission at Founder is to help tens of millions of people every single week with our content, either start or grow their business, which is exactly why we're partnering with world-class founders such as Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills such as negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free exclusive trainings, please go to founder.com forward slash free. These are 100%. We go super in depth on teaching a particular topic, and I know that you're going to love them if you enjoy this podcast. So just go to founder.com forward slash free. All right, guys, I'll see you in the next episode.